This is Andy Purwell for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by David Price over Zoom. David, as always, first and foremost, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks, Andy. Yourself? I'm, I'm getting by, mate. I'm getting by, obviously. It's good to catch up once again with yourself. What have you been up to since we last spoke a few weeks ago? Just been doing bit, bits of training and that, but I've been... been uh bit busy doing other bits and bobs working throughout the day on, on a couple of things I'm, I'm doing so but um, I've been getting back in the gym uh, because my missus has been telling me to get up and go to the gym when she goes so I've just been having to go with her at the end of, end of a day of work as well been work, doing a bit of work in the house I've got and um, do you know what don't feel feel well better for it and I didn't take long a couple of weeks and I was, I was back to like half decent standards of fitness so a bit of muscle memory kicked in do you know what I mean after 20 years has it given you kind of a bit more of an itch now to kind of start putting your name back out there for certain fights at all or it's made me feel like punching something but I haven't done that yet just because I've been told to rest this shoulder from any type of pushing exercise like Press ups, bench press, overhead press. So I'm just doing like pull, pull type, you know, rowing, running, squats, pull ups, all that type of thing. And it's not bothering me and it's improving. So as soon as that's, as soon as that's okay, I'll get a pair of gloves on and um, see how I feel when I start cracking pads and bags again. I was about to ask you, when do you kind of see yourself getting into that position when you do start maybe doing some pad work? About four weeks from now, maybe. When you're watching about as well... four weeks, I'd say, yeah. Sorry, mate. I was just going to when you're watching kind of the shows that have returned and we just obviously saw White Povetkin a couple of weeks ago, when you're seeing fights like that, is it, give, is it kind of doing anything for you? Is it, is it <laughs> kind of getting him the fires? Not, not, when I'm seeing someone, not when I'm seeing someone getting fucking knocked out like that. <laughs> and it can happen to me. No. But um, like I said, if if it's the right fight, I'll have a look and, and see what's what. You've mentioned to me before, obviously Lucas Brown was somebody you've you've you'd like to kind of game a ring with, and you told me why. Aside from that, is there anybody who's kind of tickling your fancy at the minute, especially having seen some fighters return at all? No, uh, that, to be honest, I've never really looked at the division and gone right. I want to fight him. It's just been a matter of. Whatever comes my way, comes my way. Because um, when you start trying to look for fights, they, they tend to, they tend not to happen. So I just, just wait and see what will come my way. And then decide there and then whether it's the right one for me or not, you know. David, let's obviously crack on to some more boxing talk and reflect on some fights that have happened and fights which are coming up um, as somebody who I know whenever we do an interview we always get really good comments people are always interested to hear from yourself you've achieved a lot in the sport and you speak very well so mm. certainly it's always good to catch up with yourself and just yeah, as a thanks. starting point no mate it's the truth um, as a starting point let's go back to White Povetkin two weeks ago a stunning uh, fifth round stoppage victory for Alexander Povetkin certainly you know, many people probably assumed Dillian was going to 
wrap up the show when he dropped him twice in the fourth round. But just reflect on that point first for me, David. What was your thoughts on Povetkin's victory? Um, obviously, when it happened, because of the way the fight was going in the fourth round, it was, it was a massive shock. But before the fourth round, I think it was pretty even the fight. I thought, I thought the commentary on Sky was a bit biased towards Dillian. Um, I thought it was pretty even. But then that short left two up close with uh, Dillian's, it's a great shot. And like I did say before the fight, Pavekin was susceptible to a left hook, but he caught him with a big right hand as well. That's done some damage. So the timing was good, Dillian. Um, the, he was using his jab well. Um, but Pavekin was doing some good work as well. But that fourth round, it was like, right, it's just a matter of time now. But what we did say was that Pavekin does have this, this like, endure. He's got so much durability, hasn't he? He can. He was down four times or something against Klitschko and went the distance. So, part of me was thinking he'll get through it and, and lose on points, but I didn't see that coming. But in hindsight, he's done that to you, Manuel Charles, um, Carlos Tacham, who else? Joanne uh, Duaupas, fighters with this type of style chin down, hands up, low centre of gravity. They're, they're the hardest fighters to do that to. You know, Deontay Wilder couldn't take uh, two alpers off his feet. Tacham, Joshua couldn't put him on the floor. Yeah, Pavekin, because he's more on their, their level, he can he could land a punch on the chin and that and it's it's that accuracy that does the damage because part of me part of me was thinking Pavekin could try and do that like another 50 times in that fight and, and it wouldn't have landed in the same spot but and and but that's that's the truth of, of any knockout punch there's a lot of different things have to happen at the same time for the punch to to land on the sweet spot and it's 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 kind of like a perfect storm if you will but what Pavekin does obviously is that and and the best fighters do they do everything they can in training to increase the chances of it happening. You know, it's never fully intentionally done there and then. It's just that they practice it that much that one of them is likely to to come off. And that the way he done that was it was brilliant to the point where I've seen little kids running around practicing shadow boxing doing it because it, it it's like caught the eye of that many people. It was so spectacular. It, it's 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 one for the ages, wasn't it? It was certainly a stunning um, shot and uppercut from Alexander Povetkin. I've said it in numerous interviews, just the way that he set it up was, it just the entire motion was brilliant. When you saw the uppercut itself, though, David, kind of, what was your reaction to the shot? And just kind of break down for me that entire motion that he went through to land it. Yeah, um, he, was, he, he was looking... A bit, a bit worse for wear because of the round before. But like we said, we can never write him off. And he just stepped in with that with, with the jab and disguised it, didn't he? And a little dip to the side to to put the weight onto his front foot. And if anything, Pavekin does carry the weight on his front foot a little bit more. And because he is a left hooker, the, the right hand that he whips over 
because his weight is on the front foot, it's not as powerful as the left hook. Although his right hand had me out on my feet, it lands on the temple and he, he can punch with both. But his left hook, that weight's on the front foot and he's stepped in, disguised it to the body because he was throwing that shot. And like I said, a few different things have to happen at the same time for that to come off as spectacular as it did because you do not see that type of punch landing very often. And it was just like, wow, you know, it was, it was a, you know, I was like, whoa, that was me reaction. Um, and he was, he was out cold, wasn't he? So perfect punch and heavyweight boxing in, in, in a nutshell, wasn't it? It was a, a great advert for heavyweight boxing. And, and Dillian White took it like a man and, and, you know, got up, congratulated the winner and, you know, wants to, wants to get in and do it again. Let's touch on that, David. Obviously, we know Dillian has that rematch clause. Eddie, Dillian, everybody said it will be, you know, it will be the next fight for Dillian. But if you was in his shoes, obviously, I'm a backup now. I remember when Andy Ruiz Jr. defeated AJ, people were saying maybe should, AJ should have an interim bout before going straight back in there. If you was in uh, Dillian's shoes, would you go straight back into the rematch on the back of such a heavy knockdown or would you have a, an interim bout? I, th- I think his initial reaction, I mean, going off my own experience, I, I, I'd, I'd let that go now, you know, because of, because of my own experience as a team in the direct rematch didn't work out and you, sometimes you've got to learn to let, let things go and, and accept that you know you lost or whatever but Dillian was in control of the fight and like I said it was a, it was a jackpot of a punch um, and in his mind he'll be like well that ain't going to happen again but the, the reality is now both fighters know that Pavekin's capable of knocking Dillian out cold and it, it, he's going to have some demons to face going into the ring without a doubt you know as much as Dillian's um, mentally tough and, and comes straight out and hasn't gone into hiding that will avert him massively which is part of the reason why he's gone straight into the rematch because his ego was wanted to put it right straight away and that's the fighter that that's what the fighter wants but sometimes you know you could do with a bit of a voice of reason around you to say, look, let it go. We, we, we look for something else, but it's, it's, it's there and it's, it's, it'd be difficult for him to say no, like I said, because he was in control to a degree after the fourth round. You know, he, he'll see that and go, right, I can put this right straight away and, and, and it's done then, it's out the way. He doesn't have to carry it with him for, for, for a few years and, uh, but my in my own experience, I just say, you know what, let Pavekin go on and do do his thing. But that but that's that's me talking now where I'm sat on the couch, and it hasn't happened. If it, if it happens as a fighter, like I did with Tony Thompson, I was like, I want to put this right straight away and get me the rematch. We had a rematch close, and and as soon as it was announced, it was like, yes, fucking got this rematch. I want to put it right. But then the need of it. Drew, drew on me I was like fuck I can't lose again to this fella what have I lose to this fella again and started it turned out to be a bit of the, you know, the wrong the wrong decision but you know that was when I was younger and less experienced than Dillian is as a pro where you know now he's um, 
he's he's fought at high level at world world level and had some great wins. So I'm sure he's confident in doing the job. If you're in Dillian's shoes, let's say he takes a rematch and he loses again, where does that leave him in, in the world of the heavyweight division? That's the gamble, isn't it? That's that's what I'm talking about. That's the gamble. Right now, he's gone back to Portugal and he's like, yes, I can start focusing on this fight again. And it'll kind of like take his mind off what happened because he can look towards something. The worst thing when you lose is not knowing what's next, isn't it? And, you, and you're like, oh, well, what's going to happen? I have to wait for the phone to, to ring. But he's got that to look forward to. And, and that'll be helping heal from the defeat emotionally. But like I said, the nearer the fight draw, dawns on him, it's going to be a, a fucking high, high pressure fight for him. Because if he doesn't win, all that hard work he's done to get to where he was, getting some great wins along the way and he, and, he, and he lives the life till he puts it in it's going to be up in the air because where will he go from there you know will he have to come back down to British level or yeah that, that's it and would he be willing to do that because the reality is he's become a, a pay-per-view fighter in his own right so it's a massive it's a high-pressure fight a big 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 gamble just moving away from Dillian David and on to another British heavyweight who fought this past weekend, uh, Daniel Dubois, was victorious against Ricardo Schneiders. Won't go over that fight, a uh, very routine victory for Daniel. But moving on, it does set up the bout with Joe Joyce. Waiting for kind of confirmation of it, but provided it all does go ahead, what do you make of the clash between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce? Like I've said before, I love that fight. It's, it's, it's the best fight in British heavyweight boxing, apart from the obvious one. Um, and I just think it's great that they're both willing to put it on the line so early in the careers because it's not the end for the loser either because whoever wins will definitely go on to fight for the world title and, and maybe even win one, like, like I've said. Though, Joe Joyce has, um, has got a, a thing about him which I think is going to make him really difficult to, to beat. But I know everyone can be knocked out, you know. That showed a couple of weeks ago with Dillian. Dillian Dillian's looked like he's had a real, you know, a real solid chin type of thing. Although he's been down, he's got up to win. Big tough guy, but it only takes the one shot. So that's not to say that can't happen to Joe Joyce. But I just think his style, it's, it's, so, it's so unconventional. It's it's difficult to read for the more well schooled boxers who, who who are used to fighting maybe like a a good level amateur. It's pretty textbook stuff, but when someone comes in like Joe Joyce throwing punches from all angles and he's throwing them in volume and he's not putting much effort into them, you can see it. It's just pretty much he's quite relaxed in doing it and his hands are heavy. So, that constant pudding, pudding away. Like I've said, Brian Jennings is no, is, you know, he's no joke of a, of a heavyweight fighter. He, he's a, he's a solid heavyweight world operator. And Joe beat him in a, in a seventh fight, I think it was. The main Stavane battered him. You know, a, a lot of people talk about Joe Joe. He's always slow. He's a robot. He's this and that. But, it's going to be difficult to beat. Uh, and like I said, Dubois, is the more 
easier on the eye, crispy, you know, seems to be a bit quicker, but but so clean with his punching and, and he's a powerhouse. It makes for like honest a proper love, proper like this fight, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Frank Warren, he's come out and said that he'd actually be happy to make Daniel Dubois versus Alexander Usyk, um, both highly ranked with the WBO. And I believe it would be you know, in a scenario where if AJ vacated that title. What are your thoughts on that one, David? If you saw Daniel Dubois versus Alexander Usyk, is it too soon for Daniel or is his natural size going to be a, a big factor against Alexander? No, I, I think... I think... Joe Joyce versus Usyk would be a problem for Usyk to go over 12 rounds. Because you see, if you've already seen the fight in the World Series of the boxing, you know, Joe gave him, a, gave him a, a tough time and that was over five rounds. So over 12, Usyk, Usyk would have his work cut out a bit more. Joyce, um, Dubois doesn't fight at the same intensity and, and I think Usyk's speed and... and his nimbleness could could get him through that fight. So, I can. But, but look, Frank Warren believes in his lads, doesn't he? And and that's that's all going well and rightly so because he is, he is a specimen, and um, he is going to go on to do big things. But I think someone like Usher is is his worst problem because Kevin Johnson took him the distance. Did he take him the distance, Kevin Johnson? I think he took too bad the distance. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, so. He, Johnson's mainly defensive fighter and doesn't throw much back, so that makes you more likely to go the distance. But Usyk is 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 uh, a lot lighter, a lot more nimble, and he throws plenty himself. Usyk, he's constantly peppering away with his punches. So yeah, it was interesting to be. I think I think uh, Usyk could take that. How do you think a fight between Usyk and Joyce would play out then, David? Obviously, you mentioned they've previously fought as amateurs. How do you think in the pros that that, that one would play out? I think I think I think it'd be a fight of two halves. Um, but then, when when you've uh, I don't know which fight it was, Usyk fought. Um, I think it might have been Marco Hawk. Did he fight Hawk Usyk? He fought Hawk, yes. Oh, fuck me, I don't know. Someone and he just did not stop throwing punches for the entire fight. It was like it was unbelievable. So it's just Joyce Joyce's strength versus his speed because the work rates can be pretty similar. Um oh, that that would be another interesting one. That'd be like you know, down the back end of the fight would be where it where it'd be won, obviously. Um Maybe just, uh, Joyce's Joyce's weight could could lean on Usyk, tire him out a little bit more than a cruiserweight might have. Like Mark Hawk, if it was the Hawk fight, I'm thinking of it might have been another one. But he just, I think no. Do you know, do you know another fight with Usyk like that was uh, the Hunter fight against Michael Hunter. Uh, he must have thrown a thousand punches in that fight. It's crazy. So the two of them can throw and throw and throw and. Joyce's weight and size might might tell, um, but again, it, it's exciting, isn't it? Just a couple more from me, David. Uh, firstly, just on World of Fury Free, there's some rumours that it may well not take place this year, kind of floating about now. Let's say if that didn't 
happen this year? Who who would you like to see Tyson in the ring with? Because Frank has said Tyson will fight once more this year, at least, regardless of whether it's Deontay or somebody else. Yeah, me, that, that'll be me. You'll have to fight me. <laughs> um, this year for Fury. Do you know what? I haven't even... That's... that's um, I wouldn't know where to start with that because the way the way things are tied up with promoters and everything else, who could he fight? Would would he be allowed a, a bit of a voluntary defence where you know it's not going to be too too demanding? If that was the case, I'm not sure. Could Pavek not go straight for it? I know he's got the rematch clause with Dillian, but. Money talks, doesn't it? And them Russians aren't sure. That's for sure. Um, Pulev's fighting Joshua. I don't know. Maybe I'd like to see him give one or someone in the top ten a shot, like a bit. But but then he's done that with with your Tom Schwartz's and um, who's the other fella? Uh, Otto Otto Wallen. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't got an answer for that one, mate. Sorry. I'd have to, I'd have to look at the rankings again and, and see who's... Joseph Parker, maybe, but he's with Matchroom, isn't he? Yeah. He's with Matchroom. It's complicated, isn't it? It, it, it makes things a bit too uh, difficult, but I'll have to have a look at the rankings, get the boxing news on. David, how much does do how much does it uh, frustrate you? If, if at all, when kind of boxing politics do stop certain fights from happening, or certainly, you know, just there, trying to think of potential opponents for Tyson and most leading heavyweights are all contracted to different promoters around the world, so it's not necessarily an easy kind of situation to be in. It frustrated me then because I couldn't answer it. <laughs> That's where I got frustrated then. Because I had to think about it, but it's not something I've really thought about. And now, now I've thought about it, I was like, well, yeah, it is, it is. And I, but I've said before about, about the way. We were talking about the belts in the past, where we were, there's that many different belts, and I said it's 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 better for the fighters that there's more belts because there's more more opportunities and, and bigger fights available instead of just waiting for that one big shot. But as far as the promoters are concerned, yeah, it it, it does muddy the waters, doesn't it? Um to the point where at times it's it's like almost two different like like UFC and Bellator, you know, two different proper stables where it ain't going to happen unless it's massive. And it's a shame, really, because there are some cracking fights between fighters from each stable. And it, and it goes around, it goes across to America as well with Top Rank and Golden Boy. And, you know, it's, it's politics and people looking after their own interests, obviously. You know, Frank Warren, the last thing he'd want would be for one of his top fighters to lose to one of Eddie Ayn's lads. But if one of his best fighters lost to one of his own, but he's, he, he'll, he'll walk in with one and walk out with the winner either way. Do you know what I mean? So that's uh, that's just how it is, unfortunately. David, we'll leave that there now and I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure as Thank always. You, Thank mate. you, mate. Um, stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Yes, yeah, get on me soon, mate. Thanks. <laughs>